Welcome, gamers, to another episode of Pause Menu, the show where we just hit pause, sit back, relax, crack open a cold one, and just chill. I'm your host, Ben Magnet, and I'm not joined by my bros from the Fake Nerd Podcast, again, which is totally fine. We're busy. Things are going down. But as always, I am not alone. I have a very special guest with me here again today. Last time I did the show, I had someone across the Atlantic. This time, I got someone across the Pacific from beautiful Brisbane, Australia. It's Todd the Top Loader. Welcome to the show, good sir. Thank you, Ben. How are you going? How is everybody? Good, I hope. I'm, I'm doing great. It is it is this is the okay so i've dealt with time zones before we had a uh, author mike diver on the show last time we recorded and he's all the way over in um the united kingdom in england and this is the first time i've ever had someone from australia on the show and you have no idea how hard it was for me to not say anything about the show by a minute work or the song <laughs> <a> minute work <laughs> well i'm like, happy don't... to be the first i'm happy <laughs> to be the first australian you've had on your show and minute yep. work is a great band <laughs> yep, yep that they are Yes. Great song, too. Uh, oh, d- definitely. Definitely. And uh, one of the places I want to go someday before I die. Definitely one well, of Australia. Well, I've been to Australia, so I can vouch for it highly. I highly regard mm-hmm. Australia for anybody who wants to go touristing around the around the world. Australia is a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once this COVID business is done and over with, I'm going to try and do my damnedest to make my way down there. Cause, well, okay, well so, you're right. Yeah, so not only... Um, do I want to visit Australia because I want to visit Australia, but also I have fallen into this great community of retro video game uh, nerds, and I want to say a good chunk of them are from Australia. I never would have figured found this community. I got there's people from Australia, there's people from uh Sweden, there's people from all over Europe, there's a few of us here in the United States, but this giant, um like this, this like this giant bubble. I just found my way into, and you're one of the people who was like, "Hey, this guy's actually pretty cool." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> hit you in the feels, didn't it?" <laughs> it it kind of did because when I because when I started doing Twitter more often, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here." And then all of a sudden, Sega Master Tim started following me. Uh, Purple Neko Neko started following me, and then the Top Loader started following me. I'm like, "Who the heck are all these people?" And then it just be, it just snowballed from there. It, that's what it kind of does on Twitter and the social medias, especially. I first went on the Twitter not thinking I was going to do much with it, to be honest. It's more to just promote my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And what I found was I was actually really surprised because I was actually a late starter as well. Well, relatively speaking, I started probably about 2017. So mm-hmm. that's what, four years ago. And I was basically, like I said, just went on there for my YouTube channel. But there's actually a whole community there. You got, like you said, you got Americans, you got people from the UK, you got people from New Zealand, you got people from Japan, you got people all over the place talking about games and retro gaming as well. And I was mm-hmm. like, it blew my mind. I was like, where did all these people come from? It's like, because I could never really find them on YouTube. I was always looking for people on YouTube. I could never find fellow Australians to talk to. Mm-hmm. But since I've been on the Twitters and the social medias, I've found so many more Australians just to talk to. I know that might sound weird for you Americans because a lot of you guys seem to already know each other, but in Australia, it's actually really difficult to find other retro gaming Australians out there because it's not a huge thing in Australia. It might be Mm -hmm. in other countries, but it's it's certainly not in Australia, but at least what I'm aware of because I've found most of them from Twitter and not so much YouTube, but they also have YouTube channels, but it was just hard to find them on YouTube. Yeah, and... From what I can tell, that YouTube algorithm is just a – its a that's a beast in and of itself. But even here in the United States, uh, retro gaming is such 
so I'm lucky enough. I live in Southern California and it's a very broad, um, like so many people from so many different cultures and so many people from who have different interests live here. And that means there's like a bunch of stuff. There's like a little something for everyone. And there are quite a few retro game stores or places to buy retro video games where I am. And of course, in other parts of the country, they're not so lucky. Whereas there's might have that one game store, but it's about uh, 45 to an hour, hour uh, drive away. Whereas here, I can go into three different stores in about 20 minutes, give or take, mm. in either direction. Wow. That's unbelievable. I am mm-hmm. so jealous, i got to say. I'm sure in Japan it's even better than that. But oh, in I Australia, it is so hard to find anything retro-related. Actually, in fact, just over the last couple of years, there's been one store that opened up. It's called Super Retro. Mm-hmm. And it was like a diamond in a rough find. I can't believe someone actually opened it up here because... It's almost impossible, almost impossible to find a store dedicated to just retro gaming in Australia. Before that, we had to kind of rely on uh, eBay and the Facebook marketplace. Finding mm-hmm. people to buy and sell from is was very difficult. Even now, it's still hard to do. It's getting easier slightly, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's still difficult. Like you said, you could probably find three different shops that do it. Here, no, that's that's not the case at all. And unfortunately, what comes with that is the inflated prices because they're harder to get here. So we obviously have PAL, P-A-L, not NTSC. So Mm -hmm. to get the PAL cartridges, they actually go for a lot more genuinely, genuinely than the NTSC prices. So we're really stuck between a rock and a hard place sometimes buying these games because the PAL cartridges are always more expensive in the first place before we even start to try to look. You know, so we're kind of like starting from behind before we start the race. Yeah. Yeah. Which one of the reasons why I can't wait for COVID to be over is so um, because you and a few other Australians I've been talking to on Twitter, I'm just like sitting here waiting for travel to open up. It's safe for everyone to be together again for you guys to come (laughs) visit the United States. Because there's like, because if I ever get word that one of my Twitter friends from Australia, England, Europe, wherever, they're like, hey, I'm going to be in the SoCal area for like, X amount of days. I'm like, cool. What day do you have free? Because I'm taking you retro game shopping. We're go. We're we're taking the town. <laughs> yeah. If I ever go there, you're taking me to town because I really need to go to town. <laughs> <laughs> I really. I get so jealous watching all these YouTube videos, even in the English ones, because I know a lot of uh, UK. I probably personally know a lot more UK YouTubers through Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and watching their videos as well, where they go on their retro gaming hunts. And sometimes I just think, oh, my God. Sometimes they complain about the prices in the video. I'm thinking, that's so cheap compared to what we're paying. <laughs> it's so frustrating because it's like they're just going to car boot sales. They're going to garage sales. They're finding cartridges and consoles left and right. It's like, waltzes, man. Like, I really wish I could be in that situation. But unfortunately, Australia, as you know, it's kind of disconnected from the rest, rest of the world. We're in our own little spot in the Pacific Ocean surrounded mm-hmm. by water. We're actually a country, continent, and island all three in one so that's how far away we are from everybody (laughs) yeah well so getting into like the real meat of the episode the reason why i asked you to be on the show is because you by judging by your glorious wall of of your video game systems back there you are a video game collector i am also a video game collector so the topic today is essentially video game collecting are what we are collecting what we want to collect in the future what are woes like oh my god why did i not pick up that one thing at one time and just general general like collecting stuff essentially so um what is your favorite system to collect for right now do you have just one or do you have a a wide range of systems you'd like to collect for at this moment 
So basically anything cartridge based is what I collect boxed okay. as well. Usually I don't get the cuts, but I have a main system. So my, my number one priority is the super Nintendo because that's nice. my favorite console of all time. So it's always my number one. So if I get to choose between two games that I see in the auction sites or whatever, I always go for a Super Nintendo first. So I'm always looking for a bargain for a Super Nintendo. Then it trickles off. So my trickle off consoles are more like it goes down to Mega Drive, then NES, mm-hmm. Master System, Game Boy, Game Gear from there. So Super Nintendo for me is at the top, but it trickles down to all the other 16-bit, 18-bit consoles. And I also mm-hmm. have some leeway for uh, CD-based games like the PlayStation and the Saturn as well. I don't usually go for the disc-based games as much because I'm not huge on collecting CD media, but I do collect them as well. Like I've got plenty of PlayStation games and Saturn mm-hmm. games as well because I actually really love the Saturn. I just hate, at the time, the CD-based um, systems were a thing that was, was to be celebrated. But when you go back to collecting now, cartridges are much better to collect because they're much more sturdy. What I find with the CDs is a lot of times they're scratched, but I get secondhand, which can be really ultra frustrating. It's almost as frustrating as trying to buy a Super Nintendo cardboard box mint in condition. So it's very comparative. But the cartridges are always rock solid when I'm looking for something to buy with a cartridge. That's why it's Mm -hmm. my number one because it's my favorite also, but also because the CD-based systems, at least from my experience, have been much harder to get in good, really good condition. Because I, like I said, I collect mint. I don't collect crap. Because okay. the only reason why is because I'm limited on space. So oh. if I'm limited on space, I've got to get the best. If I just keep buying crap, I'm going to fill my room up really fast with crap and have no more room left for all my good stuff. So funny you mentioned space. That's the exact same reason why um, what I'm collecting right now. So my... When I go out to um, to video game stores or to places with my friends to go game shopping, I am specifically looking for um, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and Nintendo DS games, mainly because they are super small and they're super tiny. That's like the only reason why. Because I, I mean, I love I'm my little gaming loft is essentially like where I record all my podcasts and where I do all my stuff, and also where I got my I got my video games plugged in over there, but. Once again, space is a problem. All my games are stored in this dresser behind me, and <laughs> I was putting my new DS games in there. I was like, "Oh, I gotta like move some stuff around to make room." Mm, yeah. So I completely understand. I completely get it. And also, you said um, you said that you collect mint. So uh, yeah. so used, you stay away from, right? No. So um, when I say mint, it's still mostly used, but like okay. as okay. mint as mint as I can get it. For example, a rare game, like I say an ultra, ultra rare game, probably to get in mint condition is going to be very expensive and very hard to mm-hmm. find. So my ratio is going to differ depending on how rare the game is. If it's a really rare game in crappy condition, I'll probably still buy it because it's so rare. But if it's a common game, just say like Super Mario Kart on a Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll look for a mint game because uh, there's probably lots of them out there. But if I come across, like, for example, I found a a NES version of the Jetsons. If you know the Jetsons on the NES, it's very rare. It had no box, it just had the cartridge. So I bought it because I normally buy in the box, but obviously to buy a Jetsons game on the NES is not so easy to find, especially here where I'm living right now. So I'm going to buy it because it's so rare, and that's probably the best I'm going to get it at a decent price at least. If I want to find one in the box, 
A, it's very hard to do, and two, if I did find one, it would be very expensive to buy. So okay. in that case, I will compromise. So I do have compromises depending on how rare the game actually is. Yeah, when I um when I get my D- so my Game Boy and my Game Boy Advance games, those I'm totally fine loose. Um, I mean, if I could find them CIB, great. But as you said, if they're complete in the box, then that's just gonna drive the price up. That's mm. just more space for me. Because especially for those GBA games, because I really want to try and find a few GBA titles. GBA cartridges are like this small, and the box is like that big. <laughs> That's so, so true. <laughs> so you gotta. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I like my last uh, last weekend, I went game shopping with my best friends, and I found an NES um, classic Xevious uh, for the Game Boy Advance. It was completely mm-hmm. sealed, never been opened before, and it was like twenty bucks. Wow. So I was yeah. like, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and grab. I'm gonna go ahead and, and snag it. I had it. I originally had Xevious on the NES. I got rid of it years later, but I was like, you know, what? I remember having this game. I remember liking it. You know, what? it's cheap. It's completely sealed. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm just gonna go ahead and pick it up. Why not? Yeah. Exactly. But then you Why got, not? yeah. But then you got games like so. One of my big finds, what I want to try and find, is Fire Emblem for the Game Boy Advance and Chrono Trigger for the DS. Chrono Trigger, I'm less. Uh, um, compromising on because I'm really picky about my DS games. I really like them having it to them being in a case. Whereas mm-hmm. for my Game Boy Advance games, like if I can find a loose card of uh, Fire Emblem, done, easy. Yeah. Well, that's actually interesting. Interesting that you say um, Chrono Trigger because I have a mint Chrono Trigger on my Super Nintendo and DS. And when it came out on the DS, I bought it straight away, not Mm -hmm. thinking that that was also going to become sort of rare as well, because I just figured that everyone was going to jump on the DS version when it came out because of how popular the Super Nintendo game was. So I've got both Mint on the Super Nintendo, which is NTSC. It never came out in PAL. I actually had to buy that from the international eBay, which is a whole different story. That's a whole Mm -hmm. other story. I can tell you from my perspective, but that's that's another tangent. But Chrono Trigger on the DS, I'm surprised is actually decently rare. Is I don't even know what the prices go for because I haven't I've have heard that it's harder to get, but I don't actually know what the prices are for Chrono Trigger DS. It just does surprise me. So one of my so a store that I follow on on social media, they recently got in a copy of Chrono Trigger. I don't know if it's still there. I'm gonna try and check when I go visit. My, their store is close to where my mom lives, and we're gonna see my mom tomorrow because. It's Mother's Day for you. It's still it Saturday night for me. <laughs> By the way, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, she's out with the kid at the moment at the park. We've been out all morning. I said, just give me a couple of hours today. She's like, sweet. I want to go to the park anyway. So that's where we are right now. So that's that's when you know when they come home. That's when you know that's when the noise happens. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I don't have any kids of my own yet, but uh, oh, where was it? But yeah, so that store that has Chrono Trigger. They were when they first when I saw they first got it. I asked how much it was. They were selling it. It's complete in box. Manuals are fine. The condition's really good. Hundred and thirty dollars US. Wow, wow, that's amazing. I, like I, I wouldn't have thought it was would it be that expensive. Mm-hmm. Really, honestly, yeah. Hey. Yeah, it is. It is pretty expensive. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. I think loose is going for about like seventy five. There's a website called Price Charting that I use with my. That I use sometimes to like kind of mm-hmm. gauge prices. Yeah, I know. I know. The, I know. The yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 I've used those so, type of things before. Because mm-hmm. there are times where I'm like looking at stuff, and also when another thing is, I want a real copy of it. I don't want a yeah. repro. I don't want no. a fake. You want the real deal because yeah, there, it. 
Yeah, there have been times where I see, like when I was hunting for Metroid Fusion a long time ago, um, that's like one of my gripes is when people sell repros and they pass them, they don't pass them off as the original, but they'll at least price it like they were the original. Mm-hmm. I want to say that like, is a month, yeah, I want to say like months ago when I was trying to find Metroid Fusion, there was this, uh, at one of my favorite trade shows, there's this guy who had the biggest booth in the whole show. All it was like 99% video games, and he knew he had the biggest video game collection out of every other booth in the entire in the entire thing. But he and since he knows that, he jacked up all the prices on the games. <laughs> Great like reseller. <laughs> yeah. So of course, I would look at the Game Boy games. I see Metroid Fusion, but the label looked off. So I asked mm. him, I was like, "Hey, how much is that Metroid Fusion going for?" And they're like, "Oh, that's going for like 40 bucks." And I was and I was like, can I see it? And I was looking, and I was like, dude, I think this is like a fake copy. And then the guy behind the counter was like, but it still plays the whole game. I'm like, but, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. but this is a re- but is this like the actual game from a box, or did someone recreate this? Yeah, it's a big difference there. And I, it mm-hmm. annoys me. It's really getting hard on eBay. Well, it's not getting hard, but there's so many more repros coming up on eBay, especially GBA games. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're constantly, you really got to look at the fine print because it will say reproduction on a lot of them in the smallest writing that you can read. It's because mm-hmm. you know what rare games are genuinely. And when you're saying, okay, this game looks pretty decently priced. And then you look at the fine prints. So reproduction, how many of these reproductions? People, collectors myself, I don't want a reproduction. I can get an emulator if I want to reproduce it myself. You know, I don't really need yeah. a cartridge reproduced. You know, unless it's like uh, if Capcom have gone out to 8-bit and done like a special thing for it. That's a little bit different. If you know the 8-bit, have a, do those reproduction things. That's a yeah. little bit different. But when it's just some seller on eBay, mm-hmm. that's a whole different story. It's like a collector wants a genuine article. And don't put the prices up just because the game is actually ready. All you're doing is putting a ROM on a cartridge with a box. Yeah, That's all exactly. it is. I can get the emulation for free myself. Yeah, like I mean, I do understand. Like there are some reproduction cartridges that are super expensive. Like um, like you said, the eight bit Doe ones. I think I want to say that eight bit retro they did 30th anniversary Mega Man carts for Mega for Mega Man One or no Mega Man Two and Mega Man X for the NES and the SNES. They recre- I mean, they have the game file on it. Like Capcom gave them their blessing to do it, and they yeah. just recreated these cartridges that could work in an actual system. But yeah. those are different because those are like the. the I actual- actually have that one. I actually have oh, the Mega Man one. Nice. It <laughs> will be, be on the shelf somewhere. I've, I've actually got Metroid Fusion sealed in the cupboard as well. If you want to see any of these games, I can bring them out for you. <laughs> well, I can go get them for you if you want. <laughs> I mean, if you go for it, because I was gonna say, um, one of so here's my copy of Golden Sun, right? Yeah, so one yeah. of the ways that uh, a buddy of mine told me how a, like a really good way you can discern whether a game cart is a is a real or a fake is if you put it if you take the label and you put it up in the sun you should or not in the sun or a, a light a light source of some kind you should be able to see at least like two numbers like imprinted into mm-hmm. the label you can't I mean I would show you on I don't think my camera will be able to see it. No. But, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you should be able to like see that there's like on my copy of Golden Sun it has like the number zero one. It it can be any number, it doesn't have to be zero one, it could be any form of number. I don't know what those numbers mean, but as long as those numbers are there, like they're imprinted into the cartridge, mm-hmm. you you do have a real cartridge. And also if you look underneath for where the gold pins are, you have to like really squint and find it. You should see like Nintendo written on the side. Also, if 
Yeah. Also, if you open it up, I think there's something to do with the inside of it as well. It's a little bit different. You can get oh, yeah. um, different. Yeah. If you open it, with Super Nintendo, that's a big giveaway. You open it up and you can see how it's it's um, produced inside. You can tell almost straight away. I can't remember the exact details, but I know there's obviously mm -hmm. differences between the repros and um, the genuine article. I noticed early on with collecting because I always collect Pokemon games as soon as they come out. So I get the mm -hmm. game because, like you said, the small little cartridge, like a little container. I put all my cartridges into the container container and keep the box separate. I just always do that. I've been doing that pretty much since I was a little kid. Even before, like when I was a little kid, I was like 1993, I was 11 years old. I will just use the cartridge and put the box away somewhere nice and neat. So the box always stayed nice. I was doing that even in the 90s. So with the Game Boy, with the Pokemon, because it's one of my favorite series, obviously for RPGs, it's actually pretty much, pretty much one of the only RPGs I play. I just love mm -hmm. Pokemon that much. So... There was one or two that I did miss out where I couldn't afford it at the time because I didn't, wasn't making a whole lot of money. So there was a couple of games that I missed out on. So I went back early on, say 2003, 2004, to try and track down these old Pokemon games. What I found was everybody was trying to reproduce the Pokemon games uh, unofficially, even back then on eBay. And I actually didn't realize that at first. And I almost bought one that was not the genuine article because it said reproduction again in the small print. It's like, I think Pokemon was one of the first games that Ray really tried to reproduce because it was so popular. And those games go for so much money. If you try to buy a Pokemon game now, like pretty much any decent Pokemon game, the prices for those are skyrocketed. It's probably, oh, yeah. out of all the franchises, Pokemon's probably the most expensive to buy as a whole if you went through every single game. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Pokemon, even to this very day, trying to find older Pokemon games, especially authentic cartridges, is one of the hardest. Okay, it's not one of the hardest things to do, but at the same time, a Pokemon game goes into a store, it's probably going to be gone within a few hours, yeah, give, or, give or take, because they're just so sought after, and there are a bunch of repros. Um, Like mm -hmm. last Saturday, my best friend, he bought... Uh, I want to say Fire Red, and it was an authentic. He actually double checked. Luckily, the guy who sold it to us was like, "Look, there are times I get in repros, but I'll let you know if it is a repro or not." And he sells the repros a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. But he says like, "Oh, that's an authentic uh, copy of Pokemon." I want to say it was Fire Red, and I think he also got Yellow version as well. I could be wrong, but he dropped well over like 150 bucks that day, mm -hmm. just for two games. And what amazes me is Pokemon sell in the millions. There are millions of copies of these games, but people just buy them that fast. If you see one that's mint on eBay or, or Facebook Marketplace or in, a sh in your retro gaming shops, wherever you go to buy them, they do go fast. Someone in oh, the yeah. YouTube channels say, if you put Pokemon into a shop, they'll sell um, pretty much instantly. Well, not instantly, like pretty close to it. So mm. there's millions of copies of them, but because they're so sought after, because they sell so well, they just put the price up. Because even though there's a lot of them, people always want to buy them. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. It's it it is so. And you would think like um. So way I want okay, not way back. Back in like 2014, 2015, when they put Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow on the eShop for the Nintendo 3DS, you would think okay, do you want a uh, a cart that's obsolete? that you have to have a different system to work on and you have to buy and you have to put more money that way or just download it for five bucks on your three and you can play on your 3ds yeah that's you it. would think you would think that if it's available on your 3ds people would go to the 3ds and the prices of pokemon would go down they didn't they are still 
In, yeah. in fact, I probably think it did the opposite because it probably showed more people these old games. It's like um, when prices of um, retro gaming did start to go up, I noticed it specifically. It, people always say it was when the YouTubers um, used to talk about the games, like Angry Video Game Nerd, all those mm -hmm. guys, right? And the prices would go up, which is true. But mm -hmm. for me personally, personally, I recognize the big jump around 2008 because I've always had my finger on the dial looking for games across all platforms, all auction sites, wherever it may be. Like I said, back then, I was pretty limited of where I could actually buy. And I would browse the American sites quite often to check out the prices. And I can tell you right now, you guys have had the best prices for quite some time earlier on, say from 2002 to about 2008, the prices for the American eBay sites were like half. They were so good. And the problem is, I couldn't buy from the American eBay site because a lot of the sellers on there wouldn't sell internationally. So about 20% of the sellers would sell to Australians and send it out, but the rest of them wouldn't. So even though they had really great prices, I couldn't buy them. But what happened was in 2008 was the recession. Was that around 2008, something yeah, like that's that? Yeah, that's 2008, so yeah. What happened was with that, so the Australian dollar was 70 cents to American $1. When the recession hit, our Australian dollar went to one 101 to the American $1. So we went from 70 cents to the 101. And then what happened was eBay introduced what's called international priority shipping. You've probably never heard of that because you're not, you don't have to worry about that, but us internationals have to. So what that means is when I buy something from an American seller, the American seller will send it to somebody in America and they deal with the international shipping. So they don't have to worry about it. They send it within America. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of these eBay sellers from America started selling internationally. So it went from about 20% of the American sellers selling mm -hmm. to Australians and UK or whatever to about 80%. So oh, when wow. it went to the 80% mark, all of a sudden I could buy games from the American site and at a very good price because of the recession, our dollar made them very, very cheap and affordable to buy. And there was plenty of them. The quantity was so much on the American side compared to what I'm used to, which is pittance. The Australians say, uh, say Super Mario Kart, there'd be like 20, 30 listings on the American side. Where the Australian side would probably have like five. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so we have a lot less to choose from. And the price all of a sudden was much, much easier to get. And more of the sellers were selling it to international sellers, like uh, buyers like myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, now what you told me in Australia, especially how hard it is for retro gamers to get stuff in Australia, might as well just go for the American version. You might not be yeah. able to play the PAL versions, but it's like, hey, I can get an American Super Nintendo with the American cartridges for 10 times cheaper than it is getting here in Australia. I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I actually like to look at the PAL cartridges better, but yeah. uh, like you said, the NTSC generally are cheaper. And what I've found now is a lot of Japanese um selling the american um site so you get a lot of super famicom games so mm -hmm. if you're looking for games like hagani on the super nintendo or Mega Man x2 you can get um the super famicom version much cheaper if you go for the japanese version instead of the american nts c version which you, you probably have <laughs> yeah that's the one i'm actually yeah yeah did you have that when you were a kid or did you buy that in one of your first so, schools this isn't mine <laughs> this is my roommates 
That's so my, so when I uh, I moved in with my roommate, he's my girlfriend's best friend. And so when I moved in, he showed me he my girlfriend told me that that he had a bunch of uh, NES games. And I'm like, oh, cool, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome because he he knows I'm a huge video game nerd. I'm a retro guy. And then when we finally moved in, I'm help I'm like putting all my stuff together. And then he was like, hey, do you mind storing my SNES games for me? Not only does he have SNES games, he also has Famicom games as well mm-hmm. and a modded SNES that plays both. <laughs> well, that makes it handy, doesn't it? But you can play both it, of them on the one system. It does, <laughs> yeah. So, of course, when he's showing me his cartridges, I'm like, holy shit, you got Mega- he has Mega Man X and X2. And I told him how much these go for now. And he's like, wow, that's not I'm like, don't sell them. <laughs> So he's not going to sell them to you? That's the first question I would have asked. I would have said, hey, man, you want to sell these? I'll buy them off you. Nice price. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you ever offered it, sure, but I don't, I'm not pushing it. For, I'm not pushing for it. Is he, is he not wanting to sell them or does he still actually play them? Um, well, right now he wants to play them again. And I would like to play them as well. This, I mean, even though I, I have an SNES Mini Classic hooked up to my TV right now, so I don't have to worry about Mega Man X. And mm-hmm. I also have the Mega Man Legacy Collection for the Switch, so I don't have to worry about Mega Man X2 as well. Yeah. But it's just one of those, it's one of those things where you d- you just don't want to get rid of it. No, where it's like, because it. he's had these games for a very long time, and I don't want him to get rid of them because they're like, these are classic games, and they're super hard to find. And the fact that he's held on to this since he was a kid, it's like, it's like, yes, don't get rid of that. It's like me with my mm-hmm. Pokemon games. I have my original Red and Blue. I'm never going to sell them. The red version was mine. The blue or the red version is mine. The blue version was my brother's. Um, my brother moved to the other side of the United States, but I'm still holding on to his blue version for it. If he ever asks for it, I'll give it to him. But for now, it's sealed. It's well, it's not sealed. It's locked away. It's safe. And because th- we've had those games when they first came out in the States in the 98, and I'm not going to get rid of those. Those are That's like the one Pokemon game I refuse to sell. The only Pokemon game I did sell was my silver version because the save battery died and I didn't know how to fix it. <laughs> and now you do know how to fix it and you regret it. <laughs> well, yes, but then a few years down the line, my best friend, the, my best friend bought me Soul Silver for the DS, but he was okay. only able to get me the card, not the CIB box, because like an idiot, I when Soul Silver and Heart Gold came out, I thought oh, I don't have forty bucks to burn. I'll just wait until they go on sale for twenty dollars. Yeah. Heart Gold went on sale. Not Soul Silver, and guess which version I wanted. There's the, gold. damn it, there's the hint. <laughs> not gold. <laughs> nope, not gold. <laughs> like Great thing about Soul, Soul Silver does go for a lot, and I've got mine completely boxed because, like I said, I take the cartridge out and put it into my little box. And then when my nephew he stopped playing games, he gave me all his DS games, and he had Heart Gold and Soul Silver boxed as well. So now I've got two of each. I've got two Soul Silver and two Heart Gold boxed. Except he he's missing the Pokemon Tracker, but I've still got mine, so that's uh-huh. all right. Because <laughs> you need the I Pokemon didn't... Tracker to keep the value. Not that value ma- um, matters to me anyway. I'm not selling them, but it's always mm-hmm. nice to know I can always have the Pokemon Tracker with it because you know yeah. that's part of the package. Yeah, I never wanted it. I mean, the Tracker sounded cool, but mm-hmm. I never when I was <laughs> when I finally wanted to find because my best friend he got that he got my copy of Soul Silver for Christmas. He hunted that thing down. It was still hard to find. The game came out in 2010. And this was like 2012, I want to say, when he when he bought me the game. It's either 2012 or 2011. It was still early, like the game was around. But 
it was at that point where you couldn't find it at Target anymore. You couldn't find it in stores. You had to find it at game stores or retro game or retro game shops. And good luck wanting it CIB because that's gonna. It's like it came out for forty bucks. Congratulations! It's now sixty dollars. <laughs> and he when he found uh, he found the cartridge for me at a GameStop. Luckily, it was at one of our local malls that we have here in SoCal, and it was still forty dollars. Just the cartridge. It didn't have the box, didn't have the case. It was just the cartridge, and they and he bought it for forty dollars. I'm like, I'm an idiot. I should, I should just bought it when I had the chance. And now and you never saw the sale. You never found a sale for it initially. When we like selling out the old stock. Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> you missed. You missed your shot. See, I told you. You got strike when iron's hot. Luckily, oh, because I, I already that- knew that. I already knew that Pokemon games always go for a lot, so I always try to buy the Pokemon games, like both versions, when they come out. But mm-hmm. if you do miss it, like you say, it's hard to recoup when you actually you miss the games that you missed in the in the franchise, mm-hmm. especially with Pokemon. Oh yeah, like there's only yeah. one gen that I'm totally fine with missing, and that was Black and White. I wasn't a really big fan of that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I got back into Pokemon with um, X and Y. I I barely played Sun and Moon. Um, I still have the game. I'm not gonna get rid of it. I just barely played it. Yeah. And then of course, when Sword and Shield came out, I'm like, hell yeah, Sword. I have the new Pokemon as well that are on the Switch, the Sword, mm-hmm. the Sword and Shield. Um, <clears throat> I always preferred it, oh, the original Game Boy. You know, I actually preferred the simpler graphics. Uh, mm-hmm. On the Switch, it doesn't look the best. Pokemon Snap actually looks 10 times better than Sword and Shield. I'm sure everybody agrees with that. But I actually oh, just kind of missed the old... I think the best iteration they did was the Game Boy Advance because it wasn't 8-bit. It was, wasn't too fancy. It was just right in that 16-bit sweet spot, I think, because it had nice a nice anime-type look to it, like a little cartoon. It was almost like you're playing like a little cartoon. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss it. I wish they did more like that, but I know they're never going to do that because obviously consoles are getting more powerful. They're going to utilize the most power out of each console that they're going to bring out. But I do still miss it at the same time. I would say Pokemon Diamond looked really good on the DS. Yeah. Yeah. Around that time, like it started like when it started to get more 3D, more 3D, like each iteration got more 3D, more 3D. It's like mm-hmm. I still love the games. Like gameplay is still great. Like it's pretty much a a, a type of game that you're never gonna get sick of. But aesthetically, I don't think I like it as much as the older ones, but I still obviously play them i still like the games i just preferred definitely the style of the older ones for sure yeah yeah i i grew up with the original with the original pixel art of the game boy and the game boy color especially because my personal favorite game is that one pokemon silver that's my personal favorite and i will die on the hill that that's the best pokemon game ever made fight me on that one but um i grew up on those graphics but especially with soul silver heart gold or even fire red and leaf green those look better they're prettier I like, I mean, I can still, I'm still happy that I can go back and play the older games on their original platforms and the original hardware and not like be like, oh, this looks disgusting. But <laughs> there are times it's like, yeah, this looks nice and pretty. I, I, yeah. It's a little easier on the eyes. My actual favorite Pokemon game is Pokemon Yellow, but that's more of a nostalgia oh. thing because that was my no. first Pokemon game. I was actually, mm-hmm. I was actually, uh, I just turned 16 when that game came out, the special mm-hmm. edition, not the red and the red and blue came out first and we got the special edition and everybody was making such a big deal about this Pokemon thing. And because I was in high school, I didn't really want to go for it because it looked really kitty. And when I did actually buy it because everyone was making such a big deal about it, I never told anybody, but I bought it because 
we're not in grade, we're in high school. You're not going to tell oh. people you're playing Pokemon games. But now it's the cool thing to do. So now it's in reverse. Now it's like, yeah, I was playing Pokemon before. All you were playing Pokemon, right? It's like the whole band thing. Oh, yeah, I was listening to that band before they were popular. <laughs> and I just realized something. I just took a look into my uh, drawer with all my DS games, and I must have sold Diamond. I don't oh, have no. it anymore. Well, you got the. <laughs> I thought I had it, but nope, it's gone. Son of a I, bitch! It's those regrets in life that you can't get back. <laughs> nope, nope. It, well, it's like what you. Well, I mean, luckily, Brilliant Diamond's coming out for the Switch, so I'll be able to get it back eventually. Mm, yeah. Keyword there being eventually whenever it comes out. But uh, speaking of Pokemon, I was in high school when Pokemon Diamond came out. I was a sophomore, and I was. I thought I was done with Pokemon. I'm never gonna do Pokemon again. I was like, that's a kid's thing. I go to school. Everyone's talking about how cool Pokemon Diamond and Pearl are. So I cave. I get it. <laughs> and I was expecting, like, my younger brother, he was more of a cool kid. Uh, listeners of the show know the story. So I'll give a very quick version of it to you, Top. Um, I was expecting my brother to, like, chew me out. I was like, why are you wasting money on Pokemon? You're too old. You're 60. Why are you doing this? And so I'm in my room playing my game. In comes my brother. And I'm like, okay, here's the. F- All right. I'd like, I'm ready with a defense. I'm ready to fight back. And he instantly goes straight to my shelf and he's like, oh my God, yes, I'm so happy you got Pokemon. I'm sitting there going, what? Like I'm in the middle of my first gym battle and he's like, and he's like looking at the cartridge like, yes, you got Diamond. I'm so happy you got Diamond. I've been wanting to play this. I'm like, hold up. What do you mean you've been wanting to play this? How cool are you? You got instant cred from your younger brother. (laughs) Apparently so. (laughs) It's actually, I have a very similar story, not with Pokemon, just with gaming in general, because Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit older than you. So just to give a bit of a background on me, I was born in 1982. So I grew up on systems like the Commodore 64, Atari, Mm -hmm. the Sega Master System. So back when you're a kid, every kid played games, but later in life, people stopped playing games. And for a period of time i stopped playing games too in fact when i started going back to playing super nintendo games was about probably about 2003 and the reason was because i wasn't i was just out of school my job i was an apprentice i was apprentice Mm -hmm. tradesman i'm not tradesman craftsman Mm -hmm. so i wasn't getting paid the most when you're when you're a first year apprentice you don't get you don't get paid the most so why i ended up going back to retro gaming in the first place was because ironically i couldn't afford to buy brand new games because brand new games in australia we're about a hundred dollars. So that's mm. our price. So our 70 cents to the American dollar, you can go by how much that would be in American dollars, what $70 American. So our hundred dollar, whatever it is, you can do the maths mm. to buy a brand new switch game. Now it's actually $80. So the games are a lot cheaper now, mm. but back then when I was on apprentice wage, I couldn't afford to buy all these brand new PS2 games, GameCube games, things like that, whatever it was at the time. So I went back to my super Nintendo ironically because it was cheaper to buy them back then i bought the very first Mega Man x box mint for 40 dollars, and i remember oh, wow. saying i remember i still got it here because i don't sell anything i remember saying to myself this is exactly what i said i can't believe i'm paying 40 dollars for a game that's half the price of a brand new game <laughs> and that same game's worth about 300 australian now mm-hmm. and i think back to that and i could see the trend going up and up as I kept looking at the prices, because I obviously had not a whole lot of money back then, so I was keeping an eye on the prices because I was just went back to buying Super Nintendo Mega Drive games. That's when I got back into it because that's all I could afford. And now it's crossed over. Now brand new games are cheap and old games are expensive. So yeah. when I was a kid, I couldn't afford Super Nintendo games. 
So there was that one time period in my life where I could afford Super Nintendo games, and that was around 2003, because now Super Nintendo games <laughs> are very expensive. Mm-hmm. If I buy a Super Nintendo game, I have to research it. I have to find the best price. I have to look at all the auction sites. I have to scour through the Facebook marketplaces. It's a whole ordeal just to buy a game for a Super Nintendo, which is my favorite console now. Unfortunately, it was a lot more fun back then because I could just buy any game I wanted at that time. I didn't have the funds, but now I've got the money, but the prices have gone so much up, <laughs> the ratio is out of whack again. So I've never got that ratio kind of right. If I didn't have a lot of money and the prices were right, but now I've got the money and the prices have gone through the roof. <laughs> it's like, oh, it is that, oh man, there, there's an analogy or an allegory there somewhere yeah. that that's just like, you. we just cannot win. I can't win with the Super when Nintendo. I was a kid and, uh, when I was a kid and a lot of these games were super cheap, I mean, I'm a kid and <laughs> even though I grew up in the age of the internet, um, I didn't realize that I was a huge retro fan until much later in my life. Until much later when it's like, hey, I actually do like retro games. I love going back and playing these old ones and I would do it if I can. I would do it if I can. I, I still play modern games, of course, but mm-hmm. if I have a chance and I'm able to, I go to the older ones because I've never experienced them. I never grew up with the Sega Master System Genesis here in America in my household until just recently when my one of my best friends got me the Mini for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I the, My very first console was a Sony PlayStation. And there are a lot of great PlayStation games that I haven't played yet. But when I look into, uh, when I look into Retro Circles or even our friends on Twitter, they're talking about the SNES games, the NES games. You, our friend Lulu, she talks about the Commodore 64. She does and all the time. Just... She loves that thing. So do I. I love the Commodore 64 too. <laughs> um, yeah. If you do actually looking for a good PlayStation game, Mega Man X4 is the best Mega Man game probably you ever played. You have it? Are you kidding? Oh, do you know yeah, how much I'll that thing you. goes for? <laughs> How'd you get that? Uh, there you are. Had it for years. <laughs> That's my favorite Mega Man game. This and is Mega first, Man. Yeah. This is the first yeah. Mega Man X game I ever played. Really? Oh, well, yeah. you started with uh, the best. You started with the I, best. Apparently so. Everyone swears by X1 being the best. Two is good. Okay, I so mean, for, I've got a story there for you to hear it. So for years, I was one of those people who would swear by Mega Man X1. I was the uh-huh. one. You mentioned Mega Man Legacy Collection before. I recently got it about a year ago physically because the Japanese brought out it physically. Everywhere else got the digital file, uh-huh. of course. But Japan actually got a physical copy of Mega Man Legacy with Mega okay. Man X4 on it. So oh, that's, okay. that's one of the first times I uh, actually played the game. Um, then I tracked it down on my PlayStation because uh, my dad had a whole lot of burnt games. And I found mm-hmm. it on that and I played it on that as well. But that was actually one of the first times I played it. And I swore by Mega Man X1 my whole life. Ever since I bought it, this is the best Mega... I played a lot of them after that, and I always went back to Mega Man X. I just loved that game so much. And I put in Mega Man X4 probably about a year ago, and I mm-hmm. said to myself, I can't believe I am saying this. I can't believe it. I'm saying this, but this is better than the Super Nintendo version. It is the best one I've played. I actually also liked, from the Mega Man Legacy Collections, Mega Man 8, surprisingly. Everyone says it's a bad game, a Mega Man oh, game, but I actually yeah. thought it was quite good. The Mega Man X... So have Mega Man, oh, I have, yeah. I mean, I used to have it. Do I still have it? I don't know if I do. Uh, damn it, no, I don't. Um, I must have lost because I know you know what happens over time is sometimes you lose games, and that's one of the hardest things ever. I had a copy of Mega Man Eight. I unfortunately lost it, 
But uh, Mega Man 8, that was one of the first Mega Man games I ever played because I loved Mega Man as a kid. Sonic and Mega Man, they're, those guys are my two favorites. I have mm-hmm. all video game characters. Those are the two. I, I started with Sonic and I went to Mega Man. Even though I didn't play a Mega Man game until much later, because there was a Saturday morning cartoon for Mega Man going on, and mm-hmm. I thought that was, I was like, his hand, he like, and when I'm like, frack, how old am I? Like two, three years old when this is airing on TV in the wee hours of the morning, I just see a guy whose hand goes into his sleeve and out comes a cannon. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it's a great premise of a game. You get to choose which level you want to do. It's mm-hmm. great. And you got to try and strategically place which one's got the weapon that you need to un- uh, to beat the boss for another level. It's a formula that still works. They're still making – there's so many Mega Man games, and they're still seemingly re- um, releasing them. They brought out Mega Man 11 recently. Well, not recently. It was a few years mm-hmm. ago. I've got mm-hmm. that. It's great. Oh, uh, Mega Man 9's hard, but it's a good game. It's What's hard with Mega Man, uh, Mega Man 9 is not so much the actual first few levels. It's actually when you get to Last Towers because you got to do it in one hit you got to you got when you do the boss i can't remember what it's actually called but you've got to pretty much do it from start to finish you can't stop if you stop halfway through and say okay i'm going to come back to this it resets <laughs> so you got to start it again that's, that's what mean. actually makes it hard that is mean it is but very it, yeah. mean but going i mean luckily thanks to legacy collection i'm able to get mega man 8 so i don't feel like i need mega man 8 anymore but i'm still glad i hold i held on to like my mega man x games because I do have Mega Man X5 for the PlayStation. I, of course, have Mega Man X6 for the PlayStation. Which, I mean, 5 and 6 are not the best. But like, these are my, my two favorite Mega Man games of all time. They're on the PlayStation, Legends and Legends 2. Oh, wow. You know, these, I've never played them? <laughs> I have played them. I've played them multiple times. These are my favorite ones. I absolutely adore these games. And these and are the ones that are criminally underrated by Capcom. They keep making legacy collections for other stuff, but not for the Legends games. They had a third one in production, I think, and they oh, canceled it. Oh, I know. I was and very aware. I've never, you're going to kill me. I was trying to say it before, but I do want to interrupt you. I've never mm-hmm. played one. <laughs> I've never played a Legends game. That's, to- no, that's totally, that yeah. is totally fine. Everyone talks about them, though. I don't know why I haven't. Probably, like you said, but I haven't re-released them in any form to do it that way. That's probably why I haven't played them, because I played a lot of those other Mega Man games through the Legacy collections. Some mm-hmm. of them I went back and hunted down because I liked them so much. I'm trying to get a Mega Man 8, but they're so expensive to buy here. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's looking pretty dire for me, but I'm still on the lookout for one. Like I said, I got the Mega Man Legacy Collections physical. So when you say you have it, did you have the digital versions or did you actually track down all the physical versions of all um, those Mega Man Legacy Collections? So here in the so for my 3DS, I bought the digital copy of the Legacy Collection, the first one because it was like super cheap on the eShop. So that was digital. Um, I have the physical copies of them here in America, but the thing is, when you bought them for the Switch. They came with like the first half was a digital was a physical cart, and then part two mm. of the Legacy Collection that was a digital download. That's so right. like half of them is physical, and the other half is digital, which is a bummer. But luckily for Mega Man Legends for Legacy Collection two for the X one, four is on the cartridge. Four is oh, on the is little it? game card. Oh. Yeah, four is on the little game card. Five, six, seven, and eight. Those that's the digital one. For any Switch fans out there. Japanese have a physical version of it. No one else does. Really. And I've got that version. And, and you can change the language to English. So if you buy a oh. Japanese version, it doesn't matter. You can change in the menu. It says Japanese versions or English versions. So it does, if you buy the Japanese versions, you don't have to speak Japanese because it, you can change it to English. 
And also the switch isn't region locked, so we don't have to worry about that. Just That's right. <laughs> I don't, don't tell anybody. It's a big secret. <laughs> Which was mad with the free. I was so mad with the free DS. I was region locked. <laughs> yeah, free DS, man. No, when they when they announced that the Switch wasn't going to have a region lock on it, I thought I thought I was like, cool. So if I ever go to Japan, which I hopefully do, I will someday, I could buy a bunch of Japanese Switch games, pop them in, and if they have an English setting, just set to English, and then boom, there I go. That's it. How easy is it now compared to how we were? Well, when I was a kid, I didn't know it was Japan. Half the time, I didn't know Japanese were making these games because living in Australia in the nineties, I we had no internet. I didn't know. Mario was even Japanese because he's Mario. He's an Italian plumber. We didn't know he was Mario. And they the way we got our Nintendo games was through Mattel. Mattel um, mm. distributed all our Nintendo stuff. So we had Nintendo in Mattel. We didn't know it was Japanese. It wasn't until later on in life. It's like, oh, these are Japanese games? <laughs> I never knew that. It it's blew my it's mind when I first heard that. It's kind of like me and the Pokemon and Pokemon because I never knew Pokemon was Japanese. When I was no. watching the anime, I didn't know it was an anime. I had no idea. I thought it was it's just, like, I thought it was like an American, like my thought process when I was a kid is if it comes out in America on American television, it came in, it came from America. We don't get any stuff from anywhere else. Yep. And, and it's like cool. Dragon Ball Z is the same. Dragon yeah. Ball Z. I thought it was an American show. I, people think we're crazy, but like it's different. It was different in the 90s because Dragon Ball Z came out in the ni- like late 90s. It was it just is. different. Like, I didn't I didn't know that was Japanese. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Pokemon and Digimon. I thought they were both American things, but just that they were also super popular in Japan. Like I remember a, a friend of mine from who lived across the street from me, he showed off the the Pokemon cards for Gen 2 for gold and silver. They had he had like a little booklet that had all the starters that had the starters and the evolutions in a trading card form. And I was like, why is Japan getting these first? And he looks at me, he's like, What are you talking about? I was like, Yeah, I mean, Pokemon's American. Why is Japan getting it first? And I think that's when he tried to tell me that Pokemon was originally Japanese. I just didn't listen. Uh, <laughs> it's so commonplace now. You, you think how how did we not know that? And everyone's yeah. like, people, our younger person's thinking, how did you not know that? It was different then, okay? When you had no internet, even in the nineties, I didn't have an internet connection till nineteen ninety nine. And dial up yeah. internet, and the websites weren't like they were today. They were very, they had like Java and they had like text, a lot of text websites. It wasn't like it is now. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have all these podcasting. We didn't have people telling us. Uh, across the um, oceans or like japan and america and all those places what they had we didn't know that i didn't know i just thought everything was from australia or whatever it was i didn't know it was mm-hmm. from japan or anything like that yeah and i even grew up with the internet but still my internet experience was very it was very limited but it was mm. also very guarded so because yeah. my dad my father is a former police officer and let's just say when the internet was coming out and he was hearing some rumblings about people getting snatched and people not saying who they really are on the internet, he was very like making sure we knew what we were doing. Yeah. So I, I don't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't like, I wasn't shielded. I was like, Hey, don't go, don't talk to strangers on the internet. Cause they're not who they say they are. Mm, yeah. it, it was one of those things, so, but still being growing up with the internet, you still had to be careful but you also did not know what was going on. Like this, this is a brand new thing. And I also had dial up internet for the longest time. So I just get flashbacks of the famous dial up tone that will never yeah. leave my brain. It was a different time. And that, that could be my phone ringtone or a message ringtone. <laughs> it's, like you said, it's ingrained in my brain. <laughs> yep. But people like, 
what's that noise? It's like, oh, that's one of the best noises you'll ever hear. <laughs> Firstly, there's so much freedom out there. I can finally express myself in so many different ways. Even though it's through mm-hmm. a 56K modem, I can do it in some way, whether it's text or whatever it is, but something. We finally can reach out to the world from Australia. We can finally talk to other people across the oceans. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can finally do stuff like this because we sure as hell couldn't do this in the 90s. Couldn't do this with 56k motor, but I can tell you that much. This will be your text space right now. We'd be like, on, yeah, I don't know if you remember ICQ. You go, Pew! it was like have a little buzz tone for ICQ. That was like a message, like an MSN messenger, was similar to that, and had this okay. really cool, had this really cool sound when you send a message. People who know ICQ know what exactly what I'm talking about. So if okay. you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, man. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because I had like MSN messenger was something I knew about. I had AIM, AOL is yeah. messenger. That was a huge thing that my friends and I used all the time in middle school. Yeah, oh, MSN man. Messenger was big in Australia, and and ICQ. They were the two big ones. But for a lot of kids like myself, we're using MSN Messenger the most. Uh, as like I said, that's where a lot of us LOL and all these uh, emojis come from. From back in those days, LMAO, all those came from those Messenger days, from my memory. Yep, that it did. <laughs> now, yep. of course, all these all these youngins are with their emojis and their in their <laughs> all the abbreviations. That we did that first. Yeah, that's right. We we started the trends, mate. We started the trends. You think no, you're cool? We're the, we're the trend starters, buddies. Look where it came we, from. All these video did. games that you love so much right now, we're the ones who used to get all that stuff. Our generation, even though we didn't know where it came from initially, we eventually oh. found out. Now we're sharing it with the world and all our um, stories behind them all. <laughs> quick, quick story. I used to work at a toy store in Thousand Oaks, California, and we sold Pokemon cards and a few Pokemon toys here and there, but it always always was one of those things it was one of those things that just got me it was either oh my god i feel so old or that's right kid step off you back the line you were <laughs> you don't know that it was when a bunch is like when kids i want to say they're like seven or eight years old and they walk into the store and they come up to me and they actually say this and i quote okay you probably don't understand this because you're older but do you have po- anything pokemon and i'm I like guess. excuse me uh we invented that well not us but you know that was our generation kid we of course we know what pokemon is i think there's this one kid who came in and he was wearing a pokemon t-shirt and i said hey kid nice shirt and he looks at it he's like you know pokemon i'm like do i know poke i've been leveling charizard to level 99 since before you were born that came out when i was your age i'm og i'm true gen one you don't know the trails I had to blaze so you can get where you are today, young man. And now you know exactly how old I am. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right behind me, there's this big neon sign. He's like, he's old. I'm actually just glad that it's more embraced now. Like mm-hmm. I was saying previously, it was kind of like embarrassing telling people what I was playing Pokemon. And gaming in general was more accepted for kids, right? But yeah. a lot of adults weren't really playing games. My dad played games, but he was playing computer games like Doom and things like that. He always saw console gaming as like a kid's thing. But now it's so much more accepted because a lot of us kids are now growing up. We embrace it with our own children. And I think that the world around us, like other people our own age, Oh, yeah, you like console gaming? Of course you do. We grew up in the same era. We all like console gaming. It's not a kid's thing. It's a really cool thing to do. But back then, there was a big stigma with playing games at a certain age, say 17 or 18. 
oh, you play video games still? Isn't that like a kid's thing? But now, obviously, it's more embraced by everyone. It's actually a career option now. Uh, being yeah. a gamer can be a career option. And that blows my mind. If I knew that when I was a little kid, but being a gamer could have been a career option, that would have blown my mind. It's a little hard for me to change uh, workplaces now because I'm so, with what I'm doing with work now, it's it's kind of hard to change it. But if you've got that goal set in mind from a young age, you can really aim for that. It's not, I mean, you can still do it now, but I'm so set in my ways now. It's kind of hard just to change your life around to try and do gaming full time. I mean, it's a bit of a risk, especially when you're getting good money as it is. But if I knew it earlier on, my direction in my path in life could have been a whole lot different if it was more accepted back then. Because like I said, it's much more accepted now. And that's a good thing, I think, because my kid, oh, yeah. he's, he's asking me about streaming. I'm like, yeah, look, mate, if you want to try streaming, you go for it. If I said that to my parents... Oh, I'm going to go on the internet and play games and try and get money. But I looked at me like, are you crazy? You can't do that. You can't make money out of that. But if my son says it to me, I'll be like, you know what? Benji, that's his name. You go for it. If you want to try that out, you go for it, son. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least you tried. If you want to go for it, it's all up to you. What you want to do in life is what you you want to do. But with my parents, because my parents are 75 now, and it's big generational gap oh. i mean my mum was born the day world war ii ended <laughs> so oh. that's showing how old my mum is i'm 38 right now but that just shows how old i am as well <laughs> no i'm i'm also really glad that video game that just saying that i like video games i love video games both modern and retro isn't such a huge stigma because i remember back when i was in high school that there you can play games but there are only certain type of games that you were allowed to express outside mm-hmm. and be like, hey, I just got the new Call of Duty or I just got Grand Theft Auto, the big AAA titles that all the kids were playing. And if I piped up and said, yeah, I'm also going to get that one, Final Fantasy twelve, I was going to get ridiculed for it. Mm-hmm. I was ridiculed for it, funny enough. I remember my brother and his friends, they would see me in my room playing Final Fantasy XII my freshman year of high school, and they would legitimately tell me, he's like, Ben, you're never going to get a girlfriend if you keep playing games like Final Fantasy. You're never going to get a girlfriend if you get video games, if you play video games at all. Thankfully, yeah, that's, yeah that's thankfully sad. that's not true. I mean, yeah, it was pretty sad. No, no it's sad for them, not for you, because, yeah, I mean, games are games, right? I've had so many people on Twitter have this argument. I've seen it. I've also put my two cents in many a times before. People will go on there and say, if you don't play first-person shooters, you're not a gamer. It's like, are you kidding me? Do you know how many different types of genres of games there are out there? People play all different types of games. I don't personally play first-person shooters. Now, for example, just say I played a game like Barbie on the NES, right? As an example, obviously I don't, but I'm just saying, just say a little kid say a five-year-old kid plays Barbie on the NES all day, every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. She loves the game. Is she not a gamer? Just because she's playing a Barbie game on the NES. Of course she's a gamer. She loves playing the game, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what type of game it actually is. It's as long as you enjoy a game, I think you're a gamer. I can play Tetris every single day. If Tetris was the last game on earth, I would play it every single day because I love that game so much. Mm -hmm. People would say, Oh, first-person shooters, if you don't play them, you're not a true gamer. I mean, that's that's not some way, that's not the way to look at things. It's the opposite way to what you should be looking at because everybody plays different types of games and what you play is the game that you like to play. You can't put people down because they like role-playing games, they play 
uh, Tetris games or whatever it may be, you can't do that. It just doesn't work like that. And your argument automatically fails before you even start the argument. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. It is a dumb argument that when people go like, oh, you are not a real game. It's like, dude, back, buzz off, man. It's one of those things. It's like, dude, get out of here. Like the second you start judging me for loving to play for playing, um, luckily no one has actually done this, but I played Dark Souls and Bloodborne with my brother. We play co-op because there's a co-op option for that. We beat the game via co-op. We had a blast. I absolutely loved it. It was a great bonding experience with my brother. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if someone's gonna come up to me and say, "Oh, you didn't play it by yourself, then you didn't really beat Dark Souls," it's like get the hell out of here. Of course, I beat Dark Souls, and also That's to my game. game. It is a very hard game. And also, to my credit, I did 1v1 Maria of the Astral Clock Tower and Bloodborne, and I beat her on my first try. <laughs> awesome. Appar- yeah, apparently she is hard as hell. But going back to video game collecting, so you talk- we talked about games that we are about, things that we, w- that we have collected. What is it now in a perfect world where money is not an issue and space is not an issue, what would you be collecting? Neo Geo. If I no. could afford it, <laughs> AES Neo Geo. But nice. you know what? That's impossible to buy, <laughs> especially that, where I live. <laughs> that, even more. Okay, there was a. There was. I actually saw um, a Neo Geo live at a store one at a storefront at a, at a trade show. My, the one I want to take you when you eventually come up here. Yeah. It was on sale for fifteen hundred American dollars. Wow. No games, just the system and the joystick. And I thought, oh, hell no. Yeah. I just want one so badly. And they were never sold here in Australia. Well, if they were, it would have been imported. They Mm -hmm. never, I didn't, I barely knew what Neo Geo was. I only found out what Neo Geo was when the internet came, basically. I never basically heard of Neo Geo. The only thing I knew about Neo Geo was that there was arcade machines at the arcade that had the sign Neo Geo and it had the art of fighting games there. I knew it was Mm -hmm. an arcade Neo Geo, but I didn't know they actually made a console. (laughs) I never knew that. And then, of course, I looked into it, and they've always been expensive. I think even earlier on, they were expensive to buy. Even even more than the Super Nintendo, of course. I think you can get an adapter that gets the old arcade boards. It makes it cheaper to buy the old – I can't remember what you call it, but you could put an adapter on your AES Neo Geo, and you can get the arcade cartridges, and it's actually much cheaper to buy that way. Because buying the actual Neo Geo games themselves is near impossible to get at a good price. And I'm, that's my, if I had a billion dollars on my room, that I have no worries with issues because I've got all the room in the world in your fictional, in your, <laughs> in your fictional universe. But I have all Neo Geo stuff as well as my Super Nintendo stuff. Okay, so let's dial it back a little bit. What is, one, what is a, a system or a type of game that you want to collect now in the future with where it's like it's like i mean of course you're still gonna be able to collecting snes games but what is one system or one game that you're like i'm gonna collect that someday it's not now but someday that, i'm gonna start collecting for that so is that a system that i don't have because i pretty much got pretty much got every single system that i need apart from the neo geo uh i don't have an atari but i don't really interested in that okay okay but um, I've got pretty much every PlayStation. Uh, I'm not oh. really that interested in the X. I've got X, the original Xbox, but I'm not really interested in the 360 and the Xbox Ones and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've pretty much got, honestly, I'm not being a fool, but I've pretty much got every system I want apart from the Neo Geo. That's probably, probably <laughs> the other one. Oh, you know what? I haven't got a Commodore 64. My dad sold our old one, 
and I would love to get a Commodore 64 again with the disk drive, but again, with storage, that takes up a lot of room. The Commodore 64 mm -hmm. takes up a lot of room because yeah. it's a microcomputer, basically, and there's yep. so many different um, things for that. Like, you've got the disk drive and you got all the floppies and all that. But honestly, the Super Nintendo, if I was going to collect anything more, I would try and buy more boxed Super Nintendos because I've only got right now the original uh, control set. I've only got the original mm -hmm. control set. They've got all different variants of the Super Nintendo. They've got the Donkey Kong one. They've got the Killer mm -hmm. Instinct one. They've got the Yoshi's Island one, which is an Australian exclusive one. They're all expensive mm -hmm. to buy. So if I was to collect more Super Nintendo and even Nintendo 64, they've got all the different variants. But when it comes to variants, I would love to collect much more Super Nintendo boxed consoles. Again, okay. they're consoles, they're boxed. Not a lot of room. Uh, I could probably afford to buy them, but I've got no room to put them anywhere, unfortunately. At this point in time, I'm working on that. I am actually working on that. I've got mm -hmm. two rooms um, dedicated to gaming stuff. We're going to try and build a room at the back of the house in the yard one day, hopefully. So we're on that path but we'll get there one day but not right mm -hmm. now but that is an option in the future to get more room for yeah. myself awesome awesome so i unfortunately don't have a whole lot of consoles the consoles i still have are my nes my playstation 1 ps2 uh obviously my ps4 my switch and the nes mini snes mini and the genesis mini yeah. so those are the ones i have but like like i told you earlier space is very limited but i told myself at the end of the year because I want to get an N64 again. You do? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, my N60, my original N64 that I had when I was a kid was lost. Oh, it man. was, I loaned it to a, to a brother, to one of my brothers, here comes a brother again, <laughs> my brother's friend. And I gave, I loaned him the console and my entire game collection, which included Mario Kart 64, Super Smash Brothers, Pokemon Stadium, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Star Fox 64, and what else was in there? There was another big game that I had that was in, that I can't remember. Snowboard Kids? That was a good game. <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't that, but I had a, a good chunk of classic N64 yeah. games that even here in America, they're hard to find, and they're also, if you do find them, they're pretty damn expensive. Yeah. So unfortunately, that system and those games were lost to time, hurts my soul, but eventually, I'm gonna, eventually I'm, I told myself I'm going to get it again. I'm going to get my N64 again, but the N64 I want is the green one. It's kind of like your uh, teal one that you have up there, yeah. but, it's the, but it's the green one. I have a great story about the green one that you're talking about. So in Australia, we have a target. I'm pretty sure it's the same type of target that you guys have in America with the target symbol. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So it's like, a so, convenient, yeah. it's like you know, when you buy games and stuff back then. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I sell them now at targets, but they did back then. So I was clearing out all the Nintendo 64 stuff. And for whatever reason, I had about $500 in my pocket that day. I don't know why. I think I was buying a TV or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. So I went in there to buy a TV, something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. So I walked past the game section and they had all these Nintendo 64s piled up. That was one of them, right? They had all the colors. They had the green. They had all the colors there. And they also had about 10 boxed, which I bought, one of them. Um, Conker's Bad Fur Day. They had 10 box Conker's Bad Fur Days. I bought one and I bought one of the Nintendo 64s. That was $40. That was $50. And the Conker's was $40. That's all I bought. And that's my biggest regret. You asked before what's my biggest regret? 
I had five hundred dollars in my pocket, and I knew at that time I knew that Conker's Bad Fur Day was a rare game. I, I knew it was going to be a rare game because going by how the game actually is, I'm like, this game's gonna be something one day. You know how you just got a hunch on a game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this game's gonna be something, and I only bought one, and I only bought one of it. I should have bought three. I should have bought one of a three of each at least yeah. or more. <laughs> I mean, what was I thinking? I could have bought. Five Conquer Bird Bad Fur Days mint in the box and a few more of his variants of the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. <laughs> regrets, my friend. That's true regrets. Regrets. Yeah. Like earlier when you were saying striking when the iron was hot, there are times where even when I'm at a well, I was at the, the trade show with my with my friends a few times. Um the longest time I was looking for a Metroid Fusion. I, I had it originally. I sold it to a friend of mine when he bought my Game Boy Advance off me because I got my SP and I didn't need it anymore. So I figured I'm going to be nice and give him a game and Metroid Fusion was the game. Years later, I'm like, man, I really want to play that game again. I go, when I wasn't looking for it, it was everywhere. And it was like 30, 20 bucks. It was cheap, but I didn't have the money for it. And when I was hunting for it, scarce, and it was like $45. It can, was I show one... You one... can I show you something? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Give me two seconds. Yeah. Two seconds. Two seconds. Two seconds. I'll keep vamping. But, oh, man. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, if you see a game that you want and you're able to do it, try. I mean, if you know you can do it, strike when the iron is hot because I have a lot of gaming regrets, and that is not fun. Uh, I mean, luckily I was able to find Metroid Fusion, so that's the good news. I have a Fusion. Top Loader is still trying to find something, which I can only assume is a something that's gonna make me insanely just pretty much every almost every guest i've had on the show has made me insanely yeah. just okay i'm back sorry Chris here. <sighs> sealed in completely sealed cib pal metroid fusion oh that is gorgeous <laughs> i haven't played it because it's in the box <laughs> yep <laughs> Oh, yeah. the only ge- I've almost sealed games. That's the only one I don't have. Like I have sealed games, but I have the cartridge. But that's probably the only one I don't have a separate cartridge for, because mm-hmm. it's expensive. The game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, buddy. I hate to disappoint you, fair. I hate no. to wave it in front of the camera like a piece of no, no, you know, no candy. So I have told myself that whenever when I bring people on the show, I know I'm gonna there's gonna be something in their collections that's just gonna make me go, oh, I want it. <laughs> But it's not like, how dare you? It's like, you know what? You got it. That's great. I'm happy for you. I'm mad at myself. Don't worry. I'm jealous of your Mega Man's there, buddy. <laughs> you got... <laughs> I got, at least I got something on you. At least I got I something. Know, like, uh, that's funny. Oh, man. So Adam, so we talked about like wanting to collect stuff. Is there... what is? Do you have uh, an item in your collection that's like your crown jewel that no matter what happens in your life you're never gonna get rid of that one game or is there like okay. a couple of games oh, there's a couple never... of them for sure did you want me to actually show you because it's easy to do but i can tell you, you can, as well yeah. so, okay all right hang on okay we'll probably have to cut this out probably should have asked him to grab these before before we started all right that was quick so there's definitely a few uh, uh-huh. Super Mario World box, I have two. My favorite game of all time is Super Mario World. I have two yellow box PAL editions, which if you don't know, Super Mario World came boxed early on with many of the games. So the box version of Super Mario World was hard to get because they only gave you the cartridge when you bought the console 
with mm. Super Mario World. So it's hard to get Super Mario World in the yellow power box. And I've got two mm. of them, but I'll never ever get Ooh. I'll never get rid of any of my games, but Super Mario World, I will be going to my grave with that clenched in my hand. But nice. my crown jewel in my collection is Link to the Past Sealed. Oh wait, is that the no, that's the that's the PAL version, right? Or is that the American one? This is the American version. This is what I got with the recession. You know, when I was talking before the 2008 mm -hmm. recession, yeah. I know it's sad to say, but that was really the best time for us internationals to buy. That's when your prices in America started to go right up because all of a sudden we could actually buy off the international US site and the prices were so cheap. I know it was a bad time for the world. That's why I feel kind of bad because, you know, everyone was struggling in the world. But for prices, it was really good for us to buy there because all of a sudden the sellers in America were starting to sell to internationals like myself. Only 20% mm -hmm. of them were selling to Australians or whatever international before that because they didn't want to send it overseas. But with the international priority shipping, they would send it to somewhere in America who would deal mm -hmm. with the international shipping. So all of a sudden, 80% of the sellers would um, set, um, start selling games to internationals and it was cheaper because of the recession and this is one of the products that i got is um linked to the past beautiful and i'll never sell that i'll never sell anything but that's definitely one i will never sell <laughs> i love it so much it's one of my favorite games of all time anyway yeah there are a few games well when the minis started coming out um i won the nes mini just be i'm because it was like one, I, one I, question I, was that one question yeah. your nes your NES, Super NES Minis, do you have one that's hacked or do you have one that's, I have one that's pure, like I've done nothing to it. And I also have, I bought one separate that's hacked. So I put all my ROMs onto that. If I was going oh. anywhere, I can just like load up a whole heap of ROMs and like if I'm going to stay somewhere, I can take it with me. Do you have any, do you have that with your uh, NES Mini or Super NES Minis as well, the hacked version? Not, they're, no. they're, they're as is. I didn't, I didn't want to hack them. I didn't want, I don't yeah. have the technical know-how to do it. And also I didn't want to give to someone who's, who claimed they could and then yeah. end up breaking my little system. Yeah, like, I get that. Yeah, because yeah, when I got my NES Mini, I got it on the second wave when Nintendo re-released it after their the first debacle. Yeah. So I was luckily I walked into a GameStop one day. They had it behind the counter. They had a bunch of them. So I'm like, one of those, please. Yeah, and exactly. I was, uh, I was happy to get it because I got my SNES first. Like I waited outside of a Target to get my uh, SNES when it came out. Yeah. I was like, I'm not losing. I'm not losing the SNES Mini. The I, NES. I yeah, the NES, also, I still have the original toaster. I have it's in there. I still have it. It's just that the mini one, I was like, I could hook it up to my modern TV and I don't have to worry about it. And they look good too. And unfortunately mm -hmm. for Nintendo, I don't know why they did it. I was I'm almost mirroring your story right there because with the NES Mini when it first came out, I thought, you know what, they're gonna have plenty of these things. I'm not gonna worry about it just yet. I'm not gonna get one on launch day, you know. Well, it'll be easy to get. Okay, so they all sell out. They're all inflated prices on everywhere you look. And then Nintendo's like, oh, we didn't realize people were going to buy them. I don't know if that's actually true or what, but I had to get the second batch like yourself. And when the SEN, um, the Super Nintendo Mini came out, I pre-ordered, I stood in line, and I made sure I bloody well got one. Because <laughs> of Star Fox 2 as well, because I was really itching to play Star Fox 2. I, I know there's an emulation for it as well, but I never played that, but I was just wanting to play it on an official product the way it was meant to be played, even though it was as, as official as you're going to get. You're not going to get an actual yeah. Super Nintendo official version, but it's you're still not... released by Nintendo. And the art, artwork was all through Nintendo, like the, mm -hmm. um, the title screen and all that stuff. 
Yeah, like I went for my mini for my SNES. Like I knew I was gonna get the SNES, the SNES mini like automatically, not for Super Mario World, not for Mega Man X, but because Secret of Mana was on there. Yeah. And there have been I have seen Secret of Mana on everyone like I'd be watching YouTube videos, I'd be watching people talk about it, and they'd say like, Man, Secret of Mana is such a good game. You if you can find it, you should totally get it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't have a Super Nintendo at my house. Um, I definitely don't have the money to get a Super Nintendo at to buy the console just to buy a game that's like a hundred some dollars CIB or even loses like 60 to 80 give or take. So when they announced that it's like, Hey, secret mana is going to be on the SNS mini for $80, but the bunch of other games included. I'm like done. Yeah. I don't it's have to worry game. about it. I'm not a massive RPG fan, but what I like about it is you can actually hit people like like Zelda type, and it's also got its RPG elements as well. But the music mm-hmm. in that game is so good. I music. love the music in the game. If a game has got a great soundtrack, I'll play it much longer than I would normally play because the music's so good. But that game in general is so fantastic anyway. Again, I'm not a big RPG guy, but that is one of the other games that I love to play as well because it just gets me in the moment. It's a lot like Zelda. It's got great music. It's got great gameplay. It's not a traditional RPG where it's turn-based, because I'm not massive on the turn-based thing, apart from Pokemon, because mm-hmm. Pokemon's limited. You only get four moves, but some of them can get advanced. So with some of the Final Fantasies, I'm sure um, they can get pretty advanced with all the move sets you get. But with Pokemon, you only get four moves, which I actually like because mm-hmm. I'm not massively into the turn-based system. I can get a little bit confused. But when I've only got four moves to choose from, it's pretty simple to do. But Secret of Mana, great game, great soundtrack, great, great gameplay. All around awesome um, game to have in your collection. Yeah, fun fact: Secret of Mana, um, the composer of the game, is like the third, third or fourth person to be mentioned in the credits. Like when you yeah. when you put uh, like when you put the game in the cartridge or when you boot it up on the mini, it, uh, like the you get to the to the title screen, the one you know the one the start screen, and it says like director, yeah. uh, director, assist, executive producer, and then the composer. Is the Final Fantasy is, VI like that too? Uh, so Final Fantasy VI on the mini is Final Fantasy III. Yeah, it's I basically mean, it's, VI. Yeah, it's been the same yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's the same game, but um, I, I don't know exactly what they did for Final Fantasy VI or three slash six. It's got a uh, great intro music, and um, oh, I think yeah. I don't know when the composer's name come up, but I know that I, from memory, I've only played it a few times, but I know there's like a cinematic opening, and mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing the, the composer's there as well. And it's just honestly, it just gets you in the mood for the game. For <laughs> Fantasy, so yeah, for Von Fantasy, the credits do roll because all right, so hold up, I want to show you something else real quick, and thankfully, it's on my same slot. This is great audio. Sorry, people, where they go, not you, not you, you. Are you? Yes. Okay. So this is where the first time I played Final Fantasy VI, the Final Fantasy anthology, mm-hmm. which has Final Fantasy V and VI on here for the PlayStation. Not the best ports, but for me, this is the only way I could get it because I was, I, once again, I don't have an SNES. And the cool thing about this is that this came with a, with a music CD with all the tracks from V and VI. So um, Nobuo Uematsu's, um Com- compositions are on here that's fantastic that's yeah. so awesome and the music like i said final fantasy games i'm not mm-hmm. massive into final fantasy but the one thing i can agree on the music in all, pretty much all the games is awesome and a great soundtrack for me can go a very long way and oh, fun yeah. fact 
fun fact for anybody out there who's not in the Power Territories, the very first Final Fantasy game we got in the Power Territories was Final Fantasy VII. That was the very first time I had even heard of the name Final Fantasy when that game came out because we never got any before that on any of our systems. Yeah, there you go. Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah. It's funny enough, I picked my copy up. Um, so I was say this is like a reprint, or, or this is like printing printed later down the line. A best I of this, type thing. Yeah, yeah like a I classic this, edition. Yeah, it's like it's the greatest hits edition. But yeah. I mean, this could still go for like 50 bucks. Wow. And, and I paid $5 for this. <laughs> I got it at a store. This this They had this on sale at a Kmart. I don't know if you ever had Kmart in Australia. We got but, Kmart here. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that was on sale at Kmart for five bucks. And my mom was like, I asked my mom, I was like, hey, mom, can you get me that? She's like, yeah, it's five bucks, why not? Yeah, exactly. We, our Kmart stopped selling games recently, so the last oh, few really? years. I don't know if your Kmart still sell games, but ours don't sell them anymore, unfortunately. I, I think our Kmart went under. Oh, really? Yeah. Our they, toy, we, Toys R Us went under like, everywhere. We had a massive Toys R Us in us. And that was great yeah. buying from Toys R Us because um, they had the slips. So you get the slips out. You take it to the counter, mm-hmm. they give you a brand new sealed game. So yep. you didn't get one that was touched on the shelf, which is great if you're a collector. You just take your mm-hmm. little slip. I don't know how I did it in America, but that's we how did, I did no, it. That's exactly how we did it here in America too. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And I love that. You paid a little bit more, but I didn't mind that because I wanted it mint. I wanted it as fresh as I could get it. Yeah. yeah. I got the last big purchase I ever made at Toys R Us before they went under. Funny enough, I got my Switch at Toys R Us. Did you? <laughs> yep, I got it. Um, I want to say April or late April or early May when um when it, it was when the Switch first came out when it first released it was hard to it was hard to come by. I just got my tax return and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get the money. So I hunted down a place that was gonna get a shipment in. I called the store. They're like, yeah, we're gonna get a shipment tomorrow, but you better show up like an hour, like two hours early because there's gonna be a line and we only have a limited number. I show up. There was a line. Thankfully, it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. I was like right smack dab in the middle. I was. They gave me my little ticket, the little slip, and they put a number on it. And they said, "Come back at nine o'clock when we open." So that <laughs> you is yours. And yep, I did. I, I, yep. Yeah, I went. I got breakfast. I came back. I just chilled in the car. Stood back in line. Store opens up. Gave him my ticket. Gave him my money. They gave me my switch. I went home. I was ecstatic. You know what's funny? In Australia, I don't know if it's just because I bought mine the first day. I never had a trouble. I never had any trouble getting my Switch. I don't know if that was just because of an Australian thing. We got a lot of numbers or people weren't buying it here. I don't know. But I never even knew it was an issue getting a Switch because I got mine pretty easily. But I probably did pre-order it, admittedly. But mm-hmm. I always remember them still seeing them in the stores. Like, I never really thought they were um, hard to get. Like, the Wii was hard to get at the time. The Wii was really hard mm-hmm. to get here and I'm sure everywhere else. But the Switch, I didn't remember it being that difficult to get here. So it seemed to be more Japan or maybe America. I don't know. But my experience is I got mine pretty easily. I hate to say it, but, uh, well, I love to say it, but sorry for you, but good for me. <laughs> oh, no. It, excuse me. That is good. Um, yeah. I, I want to. I don't know if it's just like a difference in mentality in the buyer, in the like the, the mind of a buyer here in America than it is over in Australia. Because yeah. here, uh, I want to say, especially with a lot of um, – current gens like right now there's mm. a absolute mm-hmm. shortage of ps5s and xbox series x's here in america it is nigh impossible if you like my my co-hosts on the fake nerd podcast sparks and ryan they both got ps5s 
but they have they they were following like alerts on Twitter, um, on I want to say Facebook maybe, but they were following a bunch of people who were also following sites on where they you would get restocks for the systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a similar situation. We have that same situation in Australia, unfortunately. It oh. came out right before Christmas, and to be mm-hmm. honest, I didn't think there were going to be shortages because Sony are usually pretty good. I know we've had the COVID thing, so that obviously has probably affected it. And I went to get one for Christmas because my son wanted one. He loves games as well. He loves retro games. He loves modern games. He loves Minecraft. He loves all types of games that were sold out. I'm like, okay, you know what? It's Christmas. I'll get some supplies, you know, just after Christmas. I went in to get one after Christmas. Oh, nah, man, we're sold out again. What? I swear I'm coming in when the stocks are there. It must just sell out that fast. I went in. A little while ago, probably about a month ago, to my EB Games, because people still use our EB Games. I don't know what it's like in America, our electronic boutiques. We still have them. Um, people still go to them a lot. And I said to him, oh, when are you going to get the next PS5s And He goes, oh, man, June, July, maybe. <laughs> That's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. I'm like, June, July, maybe? <laughs> what? This is probably about one or two months ago, admittedly. But I'm like, man, that's a long time to wait. <laughs> That that's what it is right now. It's sad, but that's how it is with the PS5s. I can't believe it. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm waiting to get a PS5 personally. Not it's mostly because I don't have the money for it right now. <laughs> yeah, very expensive, man. I mean, in yeah. Australia, I think they're like seven or eight hundred dollars Australian. I don't know what that is in American, but it's a lot in Australia. <laughs> yeah, they're going for five hundred here in, in the states, and it's not that it's like oh my god, five hundred because I could pay for five hundred. That's easy. Yeah, it's mostly. A, when I do get a PS5, I'm going to be dropping probably seven to 800 bucks on it, just not just for the system because I want to get an extra controller because my girlfriend and I, we play video games together. I want to get a few other accessories for it. And of course, games are now 70 bucks now. Yeah. So, and yeah. I want to get more than just one. I now, the first time I bought, when I bought my PS4, which is the first console I bought on my own with my own money, didn't have any help from my parents. I walked out of that, uh, out of my GameStop with at least at least three games for it yeah because i'm I mean, like as as much as i like i love the i bought the arkham knight version like not the not arkham knight ps4 version like the arkham knight bundle i got that because like as much as arkham knight is awesome i need more stuff to play than just arkham knight yeah and even the controllers are alone very expensive just to buy an extra controller is expensive mm-hmm. this oh, switch yeah. is the same if you want a pro controller it's 100 bucks australian 100 bucks, which is probably like $70 American. I don't know. But it's it's like 80 bucks here in America for a pro controller. Well, there you go. That's the difference. So it's expensive just to even buy an extra controller. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like I said, I don't know how much the PS5 games are actually gonna be because I haven't really checked the prices of them here because I haven't got a PS5, I haven't really worried about it too much. But I assume they're gonna be a lot more than a Switch game's gonna cost. <laughs> but yeah. at the moment, I'm playing a lot of Switch anyway because my son loves the Switch. He loves, like I said, he loves all games, he loves He's got, a, he's got his PlayStation 4 in his room. He plays that all the time as well. So he's a big gamer. He's only eight years old, but he's he's right in the games as well. And I'm loving playing games with him. And we can play all types of games. He's trying to teach me how to play Minecraft because I've never really played Minecraft before. That's awesome. So, yeah, he loves it. And um, I like Minecraft, but it's not my type of game. But I'm trying <laughs> to like it with him. But, I'm, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm like letting him teach me. But I don't think it's a game I'm going to play without him around. That's for sure. I know that for a fact. But I can see why he likes the game because it's, you know, you build stuff. And it's fun for, you know, kids to build their own imaginations, which is great about Minecraft. Um, but for me personally, I'm not into like the simulators, like say Sim Cities or The Sims. 
I yeah. even Gran Turismo games, the simulated racing games, I'm not right into. I prefer the old like Daytona arcade games, things like that. Even with sports games, I prefer the NBA jams over the you know the S you know S two K games or whatever it is. Oh, I don't know what are they called? <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. Funny but enough. I, yeah. Funny enough, I wrote an article about so I write freelance for oldschoolgamermagazine.com. And a while ago, I wrote an article about missing the older, wackier sports games. Yeah. Where like like NBA Jam, like NFL Blitz, or um, mm-hmm. there's a few hockey titles, or just like these crazy, wacky sports games where it's like you still play the sport, but yeah. it's like like in NBA Jam, you got a guy saying he's on fire, and you're literally on fire because you're just like you're making all these three-pointers, and you're just smoking the other team. Yeah. I'll give you a great – that's a, that, that's so true, man, because – it's just wacky. It's just fun. There's something fun about the NBA Jam game, especially back in the 90s. It was such a big deal. And I'll give you a more recent example of that. So have you played this? You got a Switch, you said. Have you got the um, Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo Olympics games? I have not gotten that, but I do okay. know what it is. Okay. So in Australia, rugby is a pretty big thing. My mm. son, he really watch rugby he's not right he's he doesn't really watch sports at the moment and i don't expect him to if he doesn't want to watch sports that's fine right not everybody watches sports true anyway there's a game on there there's a rugby game on the mario at the sonic versus uh versus mario and sonic <laughs> at the tokyo olympics uh-huh. he absolutely loves playing the rugby version of that game because it's kind of like a wacky version of rugby mm-hmm. and i was at the store the other day and it was actually a an official version of rugby, like a, a real version of the rugby game. I said, oh, you like the rugby game on the Mario at the Olympics. Do you want to get the actual rugby games? Like, oh, I showed him the back of the box. I showed him some um, YouTube footage. Like, ah, no, nah, I actually just like the Mario one because it's more fun. And that's the key word, fun. I'm yep. sure people who play those simulators have fun with it. I personally don't. I think it's a little bit too serious for me personally. Mm-hmm. And I can see that's what he was thinking too. He's like, it looks a little bit too serious for me to play. A lot of his sports games are great, right? I'm sure if you're right into your NFL, which we don't have in Australia, obviously, mm-hmm. we have like our AFL and the rugby league. It's a different type of um, football that you have. There are your fanatics. They're going to buy every single Madden game out there and they're going to love it. And that's great. But for me personally, I'm going to have more fun with your NBA jams and things like that because I personally just find that more fun to play. I don't know why. I just It's just what it is for me. It just seems to be more fun. And if my little eight-year-old can point the same thing out to me, he's like, I don't want to play that game. I prefer the Mario game because it's more fun. No, I play – so I had a bunch of like of those, like those fun sports games when I was growing up. There's this one baseball game that I had when I was a kid. It was called Backyard Baseball 2002. And I know you guys don't have major league. Do you guys have baseball in Australia? Well, we do, but it's, it's so low key. You wouldn't even know oh. it was around. But we played okay. on TV pretty that much. And I couldn't tell you even what the teams are called. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. So, yeah. so obviously here in America, baseball is a huge thing. Um, they had this game called backyard baseball where they took um, a, one famous player from each of the, from each of the teams here in America and they turned them into kids. So they have one player, one player representing each team, and they have their own roster of kids. And you got to build a team of kids to play baseball against each other. You can play as like um, my favorite baseball team of all time, the Los Angeles Dodgers. You can play as the Los Angeles Dodgers um, with a bunch of different kids, like from other teams on your team. 
And it was just fun because also if you were able to get like a double play or something, mm. like you go up to bat, you have like little power ups here and there. Like if you're really good at pitching, you get a fireball, which is like a super fast fastball, or the aluminum bat, where if you just make contact with the ball, it's an instant home run. There, it's just like these fun little things. Yeah. And then years later, I tried playing the actual baseball simulator that was on the PS2 at the time. I forgot what it was called. I don't know if EA made it or not. And it was like this is boring as hell and i love baseball baseball you know games has like- horrible yes. it has a horrible reputation outside of the united states or even inside no not just outside inside the states too my girlfriend she's not a big fan of it but baseball is boring yeah. i but love cricket, baseball. yeah, yeah. It's cricket just is boring <laughs> except luckily for our game for our games our games normally last around three hours instead of five days for a regular cricket match oh so you know about cricket yes that's I know, true. I, listen to another, I know i listened to another podcast that has an australian and an english guy and they mentioned the cricket a few times and i and that's the only thing i know so with cricket they have they do have but they call them test matches so it goes over five yeah. days right and then they also do have one day games but the big things are the five day games and mate i'm telling you i'm australian 80% of Australians love cricket, but I'm the 20% that just cannot stand it. Like you said, baseball to watch, I'm sure, is boring as well. And there are your fanatics out there that love baseball. But for me with cricket, I just I just can't sit there for five days and watch a game. Like five days, man. <laughs> but luckily, if you were to come to the United States and things get opened up, I can take you to a Dodgers game and I can buy you uh, a beer. And a hot dog. I want a hot and dog, a hot buddy. Dog. And well, <laughs> for us, for us as Dodger dogs, but yes, I can huh? get you a I can get you a Dodger dog, I can get you a beer, and it'll be a lot more enjoyable. That is one thing I want to do if I go to America is see a baseball game or an NBA game. One of the two. Oh. I'll, I have to go to one. One or oh, both. Both were good. Both's good for me, right? Let me know when I'm you come. Sure I... Let me know when I'm you come. Sure. I'll take you to the best team. There you go. The Dodgers, is it? Well, I'm, okay. I'm biased. I'm a huge Dodgers fan, and we did win the World Series last year, so I'm oh. still riding that high. <laughs> well, that's good for you because I had no idea they did that. But you know what? I'm glad your team won because my rugby league team's at the bottom of the ladder and they're doing no good. <laughs> but um, yeah, baseball. If I got beer, I'm good to go. I could sit for a baseball game if I got beer and hot dogs all day. I'm good to go. You know, I'm sure the atmosphere will keep me going alone, and the beer mm-hmm. is just an extra for it. You know? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of baseball games, there are baseball games like we, you know, have baseball games to play. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it's the fun one. So on those SNK um, arcade machines, they used to have the baseball games on there. They were fun. I used yeah. to like just like swinging for it. It wasn't simulated. It was just fun to play because, yeah. you know, the arcade type sports games were for me fun to play, even if I didn't really like the sport that I was pl- um, playing. The game itself was the fun part. Mm-hmm. Like I'm even looking at all the the fifas and the maddens like you mentioned madden earlier because that is like one of the the biggest selling video game of all time here or one of the biggest selling games it's just i get that every year the rosters change so you have to get the newest year with the updated team and the updated rosters i get that but just every time i see these and like what did they add what is new it's just the same bloody thing just a, a guy who played for the chiefs last year is now playing for the raiders the next so is that the actual difference? Because I often wondered to myself, with those Madden games, you see them come out. We obviously sell them here too. Even though we don't play NFL here, we still sell the Madden games. Like they must sell well because they've always got them there. Probably for do like they the change of Americans who got out? <laughs> do they change that much with them? Because like you said, with the rosters, is that all they change? Do they actually change anything? Maybe slight changes. I'm sure they got graphically I'm as well. Sure. But 
but NFL is still NFL. When you play a new EA soccer game, soccer is still soccer, right? Mm-hmm. How do you change soccer? <laughs> I don't know. So no, I have no to full disclosure and full transparency. I have not touched a Madden game in well over 20 years. Yeah. So I, all I know is that there are times I'm at the store and I see the ad for the new Madden. I see it on the counter. And then a few weeks later, I see it in the bargain bin and I'm like, well, yeah. okay, that happened. Um, I haven't played one. I haven't touched one. So mm-hmm. I can only, there are probably a few tweaks here and there. There are probably some, there are some big differences. I mean, obviously the cover is one, but that's, that's a given, but mm-hmm. it's mostly the rosters. It's mostly the rosters and if everyone, what everyone else is playing. I so. do have one. I do have one. Um, I think it's NFL game, but I have, I'm going to show you and you might be surprised here. Okay. It's on the switch. You might actually have it. I don't know. But I'm going to see your reaction to it, okay? It's a brand new game. Well, it's not brand new. It's, it's slightly mm-hmm. new. Give me two seconds. I'll grab it for you and see your reaction to it. An NFL game on the Switch. And I'm pretty well in tune for stuff on the Switch. I didn't know. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to see what this is because I'm... Is there an NFL game on the Switch besides Madden? I don't think Madden is even on Nintendo systems. I'm pretty sure it's not. Huh. All right. Like you mentioned something similar before, so I want to see. I bought it, but I haven't played it yet. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you know what? I think I mutant football league. You, know, I think I have heard of this one. It's on a switch. Oh, this one, obviously, I got one on the uh, Mega Drive as well, a hockey one, which is really good. Yeah. So yeah, I've got that too on the uh, Mega Drive. Well, you call it Genesis in America. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played yeah. this one yet, so I don't know if it's good. But I saw it and I'm like, you know what? That actually might be fun because it's a mutant football league. And obviously, they brought them out in the 90s and they were fun. So I'm sure this is fun too. So if it's bad, well, that's on me. But I'm giving it a go to see what it's like. Yeah, yeah, give it a go. But Because mm. I think I remember hearing about the mutant about the mutant sport leagues games. And that was one of the few, first few times where parents were like really up in arms. Like, oh, no, violence in video games. Because there's only like maybe three pixels worth of blood on the mm. ice. I think it was the, the Mutant Hockey League where they did that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, look, that, you, you splattered that guy's brains all over the ice. And it's just like, it's either green goo or maybe like three yeah. pixels worth of blood. Yeah. And people were mad about that. <laughs> Don't worry, but I'm mad about a lot of things about blood in the 90s, especially with Mortal Kombat and Doom. <laughs> oh, Lord. But a cool game. But a, one last cool story about this game. When I bought this, mm-hmm. I tweeted it out. This is one great thing about social media that is so awesome. So do you know the voice of NBA Jam who goes, boom, chuckalucka, that guy? Mm-hmm. He must voice in this game because I tweeted mm-hmm. this out and he tweeted me back. That's an oh. awesome game or something. And I thought it was like, oh, just someone pretending to be him. It's like, that's mm-hmm. the actual NBA Jam guy voice. So he's tweeting me about my game. How cool is that? <laughs> I was like, I thought that was so awesome. It's like just little things like that. The social medias just make it so worthwhile. Aside from meeting new people, just being able to contact people within the gaming industry that you've looked up to for so long is so accessible now. It's so awesome because they're celebrities in the game world. So they're not really celebrities with the mainstream. So the chances of them tweeting something back is pretty high. Another mm-hmm. example was Mog Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. I tweeted something out with his name in it, Daniel Pessinia. I can't remember what it was. He actually tweeted back to me. It's like, like if I tweeted, say, Brad Pitt or something, I don't think he's tweeting me back. But these mm-hmm. guys in the video game industry, the chances are 
they might actually tweet you back and get an answer for something that you have a question for of a game that you have. And that's so great. If you're not into Twitter or social media and think it's, oh, it's just about celebrities and people, you know, tweeting about crap, there's actually a really great community, as you know, Ben, um, you've been embraced. Everyone's been embracing that community who's right into games and we're all pretty good with each other and we share our stuff with each other and people in the game industry are accessible to us as well. If we need to know something, they don't always tweet back, by the way, <laughs> but <laughs> the chances are pretty high if they do, you know? Yeah. Pretty much every time I would, I would spam you and everyone else in our, in our circle for when I either write something new or I'm doing a poll for an article, you guys always answer back. So yeah. I try to, because one thing with YouTube, like you were saying at the start with the algorithms and Honestly, the algorithms have changed so much since YouTube started. It's really hard to get noticed now. A lot mm. of these bigger YouTubers now, now like say AVGM, they're really good. They do really good videos. I, sometimes I wish they just put a little bit more back into the smaller communities. Just, you know, tweet out something to some, to some people. I'm sure they tweet out to their own fans on their own page, but just tweet something out to other people too. I'm sure they're busy. I'm sure they've got like millions of things to do but yeah just keep your nose in like the smaller communities as well it would go such a long way i think um a lot of them don't seem to do that they kind of like talk to each other which is great for them but i really do wish they just like branch out to like all communities at you know it's you know to embrace everybody you might they might actually get more people watching their shows too you know what i mean yeah. I mean, it's all about sharing each other's content on those social medias right oh yeah definitely definitely and we're going a little long here so all good top uh, Todd, the top loader, I cannot thank you enough for uh, coming on the show and, and just just chatting with me, dude. Open invite if you ever want to come back. If you're bored, just hit me up and we'll figure out a time for you to come back on. <laughs> oh, good man, it's been a real blast here. Like I like to rave on. I'm sure people maybe who don't know me aren't used to that, but if you watch my YouTube channel, I'm raving all the time in a contained area where it's all edited down, so you don't have to listen to me rave on too much. But you've got the live version basically of me here. And I hope you've enjoyed what I've had to say, Ben. And I've enjoyed yeah. talking about every subject that you've brought to at the table today. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned your YouTube, you mentioned your Twitter page, but beside, where exactly can people find you on the internet if they want to find you? Uh, so on YouTube is basically the only two places is Twitter and YouTube. I'm on Instagram, but I don't really do much Instagramming. So don't even, it's all the same basically so it's like mm -hmm. at the underscore everybody loves the underscore right the underscore top underscore loader pretty much for twitter mm -hmm. and instagram's the same at top the top loader with underscores and youtube is www.youtube.com forward slash the top loader 82 all one word because i couldn't get the top loader just by itself because someone already had that apparently there's a band named the top loader top loader band so mm -hmm. they're called that or something, but mine's the top later added to 82 at youtube.com. Mm -hmm. And also, just to just to let, to let you know, I understood your name when I first saw it. I was like, oh, just like the NES top loader. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a double meaning there because I obviously what I talk about with my YouTube channels are top loading games mostly. So the cartridges, mm -hmm. they get top loaded into the console. So yeah. the top loader, cause I'm not really talking too much about the CD based games. I'm mostly talking about the cartridge based games. I do mm -hmm. talk about CD based games, but mostly talk about cartridge based games where you top load them into the systems are my favorite consoles of all time. Nice. Nice. So go ahead, check out the top loader out, follow on all the socials. I'm probably going to like follow you on Instagram because I realize I don't follow you on Instagram yet, but that's going to be rectified <laughs> soon. 
And you can can find me, Ben Magnet, hosting the Fake Nerd Podcast with my bros, Brandon, Ryan, and Sparks, every single Sunday, right here on this YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to audio feed, you can listen to us um, talk about movies, video games, comic books. That show is like that shows the mother show. We do everything on that show. Uh, we're okay, not everything on the show, but we talk about a whole lot of stuff on that show. Uh, we're still doing our quarantine casts, those are still going on live right now. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fake nerd pod. You can email us directly at fake nerd guys at gmail.com. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, my Instagram and Twitter is Ben Magnet 27. And also, I like like I said earlier, I write for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. A bunch of my articles are up there right now. My newest one is about using video game guides to help you beat a retro game since we're all adults, or most of us are adults. He and I are adults, definitely. And our <laughs> time is limited. Our time is limited. And there, and as much as I... Because I'm playing through Metroid uh, um, Samus Returns on my 3DS right now. I'm playing this gorgeous thing. I'm okay. loving it. I'm, st- I'm going through it blind, but I know I'm missing a bunch of stuff. So I know I'm not going to complete it when my first go through. And I'm probably, and I'm probably gonna, and I'm probably definitely gonna be using a guide to help out some stuff where I can't find it. But luckily, I've solved a lot of the puzzles. And uh, my, oh yeah, thinknerdpodcast.com. Links to everything are on. Links to everything. The Patreon, the T Public. We have got some awesome shirts. Basement Arcade T-shirts are on the T Public right now. Links to our Patreon. Uh, if you sign up for our, for our Patreon right now, our second tier is I cannot believe I'm saying this. The exclusive shirt on our Patreon is saying that you are Stephen King's best friend. So, Top, there's a running joke on our mm-hmm. Fake Nerd podcast that I am Stephen King's best friend, even <laughs> though I'm not. It's because we reviewed one of Stephen King's movies one time, and I said I know nothing about Stephen King, and they decided <laughs> to run with it. And that joke has been going on for over four years. And every time anything Stephen King has mentioned, they always look to me. He's like, so, Ben, you're his best friend. What, is, what does he mean by this? What's the theme of the book? I'm like, I don't freaking know. <laughs> don't worry i'll be in the same boat as you i don't know a whole lot about stephen king as well so i can be his second best friend <laughs> don't say it or else the guy or else the, you it'll, said stick. It. it'll stick it'll stick <laughs> so anyways yes fake nerdpodcast.com links to everything are on there you can listen to us um here, well watch us here on youtube listen to us on stitcher itunes google play like and subscribe to this channel for more awesome stuff, basement arcade related and not basement arcade related. We have so many shows on this. What do we find the time to do it? Well, we find the time because we love doing this. Once again, top, thank you so much for coming on. Cannot wait to talk to you again. It's gonna be a ah, this is I wish we could go longer, but nope, gotta keep it, gotta keep it under a certain time limit. You're right, buddy. I've had a great time, and thank you for having me on your awesome show. Of course, and with that, unpause.